1: Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is the fastest growing social media app that is dedicated directly to the outdoor enthusiasts, whether you love hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, anything that has to do with the outdoors, you are going to love the Go Wild app. It allows you to document your adventures, document your hunts, show your pictures, log time, and there's a different way of scoring your adventures, not necessarily by the size of the fish or the size of the antlers. It's about the overall experience. So for more information, go download the Go Wild app today or visit timetogowild.com.
2: My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bear. This is a special episode of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast where we got to sit down with Tom Ainsworth of Grandview Outfitting in Grandview, Manitoba, and we talked about whitetails. We talked about Tom's history. Tom is 70 years old, and he's a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of whitetail knowledge, a wealth of bear knowledge, and just a, just a character of characters. Tom's a ton of fun, and he gives a lot of great information inside of this podcast, and you'll enjoy it hey do me a favor and check out bear honey magazine our whole brand is built around the product that that is the central core of our business which is a print magazine bear honey magazine we print six issues a year full color nice magazine lots of pages not full of advertising and it's a it's a really high quality niche magazine and for us to keep doing what we do, we need people to subscribe to it. And wow, think of how awesome it would be if six times a year you were surprised in your mailbox when you received a hard copy of something that you didn't have to charge the batteries on, something you didn't have to glue your eyes to and burn your eyes out. I'm talking about electronic equipment. What if you just looked at printed paper? Hey, check out Bear Hunting Magazine. And also, check out our YouTube channel. We've got 28,000 subscribers all in the last year, over 7 million views in the last year on the Bear Hunting Magazine YouTube channel. And you're going to see hunts from these hunts on these podcasts. You're going to see the video of one of these hunts, actually, in the very near future. All right, we're going to go right to Tom. So we are in. Tom, would you say this is central Manitoba, the 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 southern one third of Manitoba?
0: We're in the southern third, probably even the southern quarter. I would say
2: southern quarter, yep. western Manitoba. Ah, uh, yes. How far away from the Saskatchewan border?
0: Thirty miles. No, 30, 40 miles.
2: Forty miles from yep. the Saskatchewan border, yep. and we're we're just north of the little town of Grandview. Yep. Now you were you were born right here.
0: Actually I wasn't <laughs> Okay. I was born in the Okanagan Valley in BC, like in British Columbia. Okay. And then my dad was born here, eh? Oh, okay. That's where he was born. So he up. had moved off. They come from England in nineteen eleven and come into Canada and my dad was born in nineteen twenty one and he was born here.
2: Oh okay. So your grandfather came from england yes and And my dad was born in 1921 yes and he was born yes here here Yep. yeah so so we're on your we're in your living room right now and we are we're deer hunting with you tom is a tom is a long time whitetail and bear outfitter he's been doing it for years and years um now you just turned 70 years old tom yes that's good so you've been doing this since the early 80s? I've been yeah. trying to pin you down on a date of the year you started well, outfitting.
0: It would be early 80s because for bears and that, uh, they went into allocations in, in 88. But we're all most of us were doing deer before that. So, you know, we've been at it for
2: like 40 years. Eh? Wow. Wow. And so tell me about the history of your the property that we're hunting right now. Like so, this was a lot of it was your was your dad's, and then you and Deb have accumulated yes. land over time. But like, the so you you you're, we're in your house now, where we're staying, our our deer camp was that your father's house?
0: My dad was in the war, for, and uh, when he came out of the war in '48, uh, through the war veterans. He got a chance to buy land, so he bought over there, and that house was built in nineteen forty-eight. Okay, and so that's you know, so we either used it or lost it. So, yeah. you know,
2: it's a it's a real comfortable camp. Yep, it's a real comfortable camp. I guess two two or three miles from yep. where we're sitting right here. Yep. So your property stretches all the way there. Yep. Basically. Yep. Yeah. So, tell me, just give me a little history with your outfitting, Tom. Like. uh so you started with whitetails back in the heyday yep. of Canadian whitetail hunting. Yes, and I mean we're right around the corner here is a 208 inch whitetail with bases the size of Coke cans, a drop tine, yep. mass for days. I mean the kind of deer that yep. I mean made Canada what it is. And you told me you shot that deer, and it was just kind of like. You actually didn't shoot it immediately because you were. I was sitting on the edge of the field and I knew there's
0: some big bucks around and I'd pick shed horns up off them. And uh, so I watched the deer for 20 minutes at 80 yards. He was with some does when he came out on the field, but it was a snowy day and when he came out, he had his head down and that throws you off a lot. I knew it was a decent deer. <laughs> but anyways, he come out on the field beside me, and it was getting close to closing time, so I shot him. And when I went over, I was pretty surprised because he's, he's probably 24 inches on the outside or maybe better. It'll fit over a man's shoulders anyways, his yeah. head.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that really started out. You wanted to take a really top-end deer so that yeah. you could show people really what you had here. Yeah. Is that well, right?
0: It's kind of right i uh I just went hunting, you know, and uh I was interested enough in in deer that I knew it was uh you know it was really important to shoot something that big eh and uh we we're lucky enough to get it and uh then after that, when I did start outfitting uh everybody kind of realized how they you know they seen the deer, so they realized how big the deer was, how good the area was, and it's just like you guys, you've been here a week and uh how many hunters have you seen? Right, right. James said he's seen one. Yeah, <laughs> it was over at the corner there, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a real quiet area. So uh, it's great for opportunity for hunters, and I think that's what you're looking for when you come up here, eh?
2: Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, the the stories that you have about whitetails that have come off this property—I mean, countless deer. Over 150. The the biggest the biggest client-killed deer that came off this property was 192. 193. 193. Yeah, by a client. And there's been lots of,
0: uh, you know, 182s and 187s and uh, numbers like that, eh? Yeah. Lots of 180. There's been a lot of over 170 deer shot on here. Where I live, there's been more shot here than
2: probably anywhere I know of, eh? Yeah. I know today when you were taking me to the stand... You said they killed a 170 something here on this corner one year and they killed a yep. 160 something here yep. as we're driving to the place where last year I killed a 150 inch deer with my bow yep. so i mean
0: yeah
2: we've we've seen it ourselves yep. but you also were i mean when i first talked with you you know you were you told me that manitoba had some Tough times a few years ago, I'm sure we did. deer numbers went down, you bet and it, and I had a lot of respect for you because of this. You quit taking whitetail hunters for a few years because you just they just the deer just weren't here, yeah, you wanted to let them recover,
0: yeah well, you can only beat people once, and so you might as well uh, you know if somebody phones you and asks you a question, you've got to tell them the truth or you should because as soon as they step out of the vehicle, they are going to know. Yeah. And so, if you haven't got something to offer, uh, you know, just you've got nothing to offer, and be up front. And that's what I was. I just I couldn't give you a good deer then, eh? We're now. And how
2: long was that span?
0: Five I, years. 10 I think years? four to five years at least. Yeah. Yeah. And it just we had a bad winter. It was very cold and uh, deep snow, and that's the worst thing for depredation on deer up here. You know, wolves and that they come and go. But uh, the cold weather and that just stays. And once you knock them down, it it takes a lot of years to bring them back to you, get into these bucks that have got a decent head on them again, you see. Right. But we're getting right. It's getting better every year right now. And, uh, you know, it's just getting better. And yeah. You yeah. can't sell a hunt now or you should be able to.
2: Yeah. So these deer that we're hunting, we're hunting them on alfalfa fields. We hunted a soybean field yesterday. Yep. Yep. Like, what are these deer doing? What do you mean? I mean, mean by like, that? like, like, we're basically hunting these deer on feeding patterns right yes. now. Yes. And you, on your out your back window, we yeah. can look and see yeah. does and look on the South yeah. Alpha field. Yeah. And I mean, so your kind of your philosophy is keep the does, keep you, the food here. Yeah.
0: If you once rut hits, if you got the girls, the boys will come, and it's just that simple. And uh, there's no use looking for them. They'll come and look for you. And if you, like we've got alfalfa fields, fall rye fields, uh, like we're hunting beans and stuff like that fields. And uh, it's just the deer they're feeding. They're looking for the highest protein they can find right now, eh? And so that's why they're on these fields.
2: Yeah. 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 And the, the, what I've noticed is it seems like the rut is, it's just right when probably it is everywhere but it seems to be more compact i mean like like i told you like back home right now november the 2nd would be like prime time for bucks cruising you know mature bucks moving and and what we're seeing right now is that these big bucks are still on a kind of a feeding pattern
0: they're on they're still not a buddy system yet if you think about it you know it's just like when james shot his yeah uh, you know he sees two or three bucks there all together, and they're nice bucks. Well, they're still on a buddy system, so the young guys are maybe, you know, doing a lot of the leg work right now compared, and the old guys are letting them do it. But yeah. uh, it's just not here yet. We're gonna have to, you know, the, maybe get a weather change. But they they breed the same time every year. Right. They have to to have their calves at the same time. They just breed and. Yeah. Usually, when you get into like I was saying into. November 19th is one of my dates I like. And uh, usually you've got a whole bunch of bucks looking for those last does to breed off that cycle. So you think it's already happened by then? Yep. And and that's your day? At least that cycle is. I know usually on the 19th we look out here across from the road and just like clockwork every year. There's a great big buck standing right in the middle of the field, of course, at noon. Yeah. Because your big bucks are going to travel from 10 to 2 and that's your... You know, if you're hunting them, everybody's gone home for lunch, and everybody's done this, and they're coming back at 3 o'clock. And so 10 to 2 is the time to do it, I'd say.
2: 10 to 2. Yeah. Yeah. You Playmix. know, you've you've carted – you have a, a a unique perspective on land because very few people really get to interact with a piece of property for 40 years mm-hmm. as intimately as you have with this property. mm mm-hmm. I mean, just, just like, I mean, I learned from, you know, now I've hunted with you. We hunted with you a week last year. We hunted with you a week this year. So <laughs> I've learned when you say, when you put me somewhere and you go, hey, be watching that corner right over there, you better be watching it. Right, James? Yeah. <laughs> James and I were talking the other day, and we were like, every time Tom says that, that's where the deer come from. But, I mean, you, and, and as a, also a whitetail hunter that would – be going into places sometimes that I've never hunted before and trying to think about deer movement based upon topography and, yeah. and, and the way the land lays. Some of these places do, still don't make sense to me as a whitetail hunter, mm-hmm. why deer would be using like, you know, like a deer yeah. coming out on a little point. Just yeah. for instance, when you put James out the other day, he yeah. said, watch that little point right there. Yeah. And like, you know, and, and that's exactly where his bucks well, came from.
0: Once you do stuff long enough and often enough. You should learn something.
2: <laughs> yeah. And
0: so we've killed deer there with muzzle muzzleloaders the other year. You know, real large deer. And it's just, it's a natural runway. And if you get into them, you know, like a lot of the, especially where James got his over there, there's paths in the bush that are beat right down in the bush. It's turfy land, you see, because spruce trees are growing there. And uh, these paths are beat right down, and it's just their natural runways and it's just that you know uh, yeah and you've got it you know if you're hunting and if you if you care about what you're doing well you know where this stuff is because you're watching all the time eh? yeah yeah
2: and that's what you do is you you're yeah. always watching always yeah. looking
0: it's your job yeah that's what your job is yeah if you want to try and run a good business you've got to you know
2: right and so this farm though before it was well while you were outfitting deer on it you were a cattle rancher. You're like Tom. You're like an iconic Canadian rancher outfitter. There you, you go. Yeah, you really are. You uh um you've you've kind of got a methodology for everything that you do, and and you I mean your place is like pristine. Everything's in order. Tom Tom's never late for anything. Every single morning when we've pulled up here, you've been ready to go in the truck. Has he not, James?
0: <laughs> well, you're supposed to be <laughs> i know
2: yeah it's it's like you're supposed to be exactly, no, that, no, that's these our are these job. are things these are it's like you're you you've got systems for everything that you, you have do, yeah, and to. they work, they yeah, work for you, you, you don't they,
0: Yeah, you have to, yeah, that's you know it's it's our job to do all this stuff, and uh you know if we don't do our job, well I guess you're not getting your anything for your nickel, you might say, eh.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um tell me a little bit about the you've talked to me some about the history of this area of Manitoba like the Ukrainians that mm-hmm. came in. Yes. And like so what's the cuz this is this is still a sparsely populated yes. part of the world. Yes. Uh,
0: but yeah, about 100 years ago basically is when we everybody was getting settled in here. And um you had your, all your nationalities. We have basically every nationality. We have Russians and we have Germans and we have English and Scotch and Irish, Ukrainians, Polish people. And uh, to some extent, anyways, what happened in here, our, uh, our Ukrainian and Polish people and stuff like that, they got pushed to the poor land. Mm. So what happens is when the person in the valley buys new equipment, with time it ends up next to the bush where the stones are and whatever, because, you know, Mm. stuff like that, eh? But uh, the Ukrainians learned to live off the land. It's because they had to do it. And uh, you can just learn a lot from them by, you know, through history and watching them here and stuff like that. And that's what I was telling you about, you know, the lime kiln and stuff we had, right? You haven't seen it yet, but we've got to take you and show you. We just have to. And they were survivors,
2: they're yeah. just survivors. You Describe know? the lime kiln.
0: Uh, we had a family come in here uh, probably, I don't know, but probably 100 years ago type thing, and their name was Dubik. And uh, I'm not sure if they were Austrian people or what, but he um, he was a stonemason from where he came from. And so in our area here, we have quite a few wells that are dug And all they do is instead of using cribbings and wood and that, he would take rocks and he'd make them perfectly round the wells, or you know what I mean, and he'd stack all these rocks up. And there's one thing about it. If you've got a 10 or 20 or 30-foot well done that way, the water is just cold like ice. And the reason is the stones Mm. keep the water cold, you Mm. see. But they built lime kilns over here, and I only know of four, and I haven't even heard of them anywhere else. But there's four in our area. Two is on my land. And everything was done with horses in them days. So um, you'd find a knoll. There's a knoll in the bush over here in my place. And it happens to be limestone area. So if you're yeah. using horses, you want your limestone close because it's slow to move them. So they'd uh, make about an eight-foot circle. They'd dig down about eight feet on the side of the hill. And... Um, They would stone it all the way around and fit each stone in place just like cribbing on a well. And they'd leave like a walkway through at the one end. And you'd drive up there and you'd put your limestone in the bottom. You'd dump it off your wagon. Then you'd drive up again and you'd put a whole bunch of wood on the top. And you'd heat that wood, get it so hot in there that the lime would crystallize, you might say, or whatever, break up into small powder. Then they'd drive down to the bottom of the hill with the horses and they load all the ashes up and take the lime home. And they used to make their log cabins and that, we might call it chinking. Uh, we have very good clay in our area. They used mm-hmm. it for making your stone ovens and all this kind of stuff. They still do. It's just great clay. So they'd go up there and they'd take, build a log cabin. They would clay the outside, maybe clay the inside. They would whitewash it. With this limestone, eh? Mm. And then if they wanted it colored, well, they'd use... It could be raspberries or strawberries or blueberries. And that's how they'd get their color into it, eh? Mm. But it's some real great history, I think, of what you had to do to survive in this area. And then yeah. how creative they are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's for the sure. thing. For sure.
0: And they made it work. Yeah, Yeah. And so I've got one here, but I... I just uh, we kind of keep it quiet because we don't want a road going into it and a bunch of people. You know, we'll show it to anybody, but yeah, you just don't want to you know, commercialize it. Yeah, sure. It shouldn't be done that way. We don't think.
2: Well, th- this whole area. What I was struck with when I came here last year was the old. I mean, there's just old farm structures everywhere. Yes, there is. I mean, it's just it's just reminiscent of a yes time gone by yes it is i mean there's there's old tra i mean up back behind where we're staying there's yep. old cars and old tractors with trees growing up through them and yep. lots of wooden structures old wooden structures and yep. old wooden houses and yep it's 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 kind of a we've talked to this week about how big agriculture yep. is coming to this area in a yep. major way so it used to be like smaller family oh. farms, oh, yeah. and then now yeah. to, for these guys to make a living, no fault to them. I mean, yes. you got to be big, Yep. and they're driving million-dollar like tractors. Time, and,
0: like at one time here, just about every quarter section had a house on it. A family lived on just about every quarter section. And uh, where you guys are now, in eight miles there, eight to nine miles, there's one house
2: wow yeah and
0: that's just change nobody's here
2: and what's what's happening too is is farmers kids have had to go elsewhere to make a living they have to and so there's a lot of these people like you that have all this land have this farm and and the kids aren't necessarily taken back over the farms right well things have
0: changed and uh it's just like anywhere else. Uh, you've gotta make a living. And yeah. the kids have to leave here because we're not like you people in the States. Every every town's got industry and jobs and that and kinda of in Canada we can't make mm. toothpicks, you know, for some reason. We've got to ship mm. the wood down to you guys and <laughs> and you ship it back. Mm. But it's just how we are. We're not willing to we're not willing to take a chance like you people are is mm. my opinion. Mm. You're willing to take a chance. You're willing to invest money, right? And it's just like we're too tight up here or something. Yeah, uh yeah. You know what I mean?
2: Well, I've never... You don't I, see the investment. Yeah, I would have never thought of it, but that's an interesting perspective.
0: That's what it's like.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We
0: just... I don't know if money's that tight or what it is, but we just don't invest where you people do. Yeah. You'll gamble.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of gambling, you gambled when you 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 got this some section of land from your father, and yes. then and then you guys have accumulated yep. land. Yep. And I mean, this land back when you were originally buying it wasn't it it, it, it was there was nobody here that wanted it. And right. then and then the 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 long the short version of the story is is that now it's it's incredible. For lots of reasons, for oh, yeah. big ag, for deer hunting, yeah. for whatever. Yeah.
0: It's just changed. Like, when my dad got this half where I'm on now, next to the park, he got it for, I believe it was $1,200, Was is part of his mother's estate. Mm. So anyways, uh, he ended up with this land. And we bought a lot of our land for six and $7,000 a quarter section. Wow. And now, just because of the times. Uh I, I I mean it's nothing compared to your land. But our lands, you know, it's worth a hundred thousand to a hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred thousand just for bush land and uh, stuff like that, eh? Yeah. Because you can buy a a quarter section of farming land, dirt, any day of the week you want. But if you want to find a place for great hunting where you can build a cabin or a house where you can retire, where you can look out the window and see deer, elk, and moose, it's very hard to find that place. Mm. And like on my land here, when I come here, there was 27 acres broke on this quarter section on this back quarter, and there's still 27 acres broke on it. Uh, I don't believe it's up to our generation to Destroy everything, and I, I'm just leaving it as it is, and that's yeah. how it's going to stay.
2: Yeah, yeah. You really have a strong land stewardship ethic when it comes to wildlife, and when it comes to to, I mean, you ran three to five hundred head of cattle yep. on this on this land for yep. years and years, yep. and uh, that's a that's a good segue to. Talk to me about the diversity of wildlife on this property. Because people don't know that. I sure as heck didn't know it when I came up here. You mean
0: the different things we have? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because, I mean, like, like when, when we see, like, this big ag land, like, yeah. we think Iowa. Yeah. And what's in Iowa is turkeys, deer, and coyotes. Right. I mean, like, there's not. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. Well, right here,
0: uh, let's just say you went through fur-bearing animals. On my land, there's... And I live against the park. There's 60 miles of bush behind my place, and uh, let you me, know. Let me
2: stop you right there to describe that. You you're up against basically what we would call national forest. Yes. So your back fields. Yes. For 60 miles, I mean, yes. you butt up against basically yes. national forest. Yes, without a road. Without a road, and so there's 60 miles of yes. what you guys call bush. Yeah. We just call woods. Yes. Wilderness. Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. I just want to because that's a that's an amazing feature of this property. Yes. It's part of the reason the deer hunt's great. It's the reason yeah. it's like if you're going for deer, we have deer.
0: We have elk. It's nothing to look out our window and see thirty elk or nothing to look out here and see uh six bull elk and they'll stay here all winter, of course. We have moose that you know, we've had elk in our yard, moose in our yard. We have deer in the yard all the time. Um we have timber wolves, we have coyotes, we have foxes, we have badgers. Uh, you know, on the fur-bearing, we've got beaver and marten, you know, mink. Every fur-bearing animal there is we have here. Raccoons. Uh, it's one of them things where we kind of,
2: we just have it all. Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, we can see this stuff just about every day of the week.
2: Yeah. And, and these elk, I mean, this is like, these aren't just like, passing herds of elk you guys take elk off this property almost every year
0: yes yes we we hunt our elk on our own land every year and like i was saying a while ago we have good elk here because for a long time we had the number two elk in north america and it was about 15 miles from here and it was 472 and a half inches Mm. so you know we have and quality. that's a wild
2: free ranging elk. Oh yeah.
0: We have quality. We have the most I'm not sure if there's a Roosevelt or what, but we have the most sought after elk there are. Right. It's, they're now, good.
2: These and so it's a it's a only residents of Manitoba yes. can draw these tags. Yep. And so it's a draw system. Yep. And and so there's just a limited number, I mean less than yep. fifty tags probably. Well, they vary, but, like, for us landowners in here, well, it's hard to say, but
0: we run a very big area, and we only get seven tags, and I'm going to say that's in
2: 30. Uh, So you're getting landowner tags. Yeah. Okay, that's why you're able to get them almost every year. Yeah, but there's
0: only seven tags in 100 miles.
2: Okay. (laughs) And so somebody will get that tag, and then you kind of – you offer your land for people sometimes.
0: We do. We do. A lot of times, like, we, just, it's free of charge. Uh, you know, if somebody gets a tag, we just let them come and hunt free of charge, just how we are. Uh, you know, we outfitted, so we you know, we kind of feel that we should give something back.
2: Yeah. And so, so just, I mean, like, two or three weeks ago, they killed an elk on this property. Yeah. Right down where I was hunting exactly. today. Is that right? Exactly. Where I was hunting whitetails today. Yeah. Three weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago.
0: And we seen about 40 to 50 elk on there. And we seen at one time, Deb and I were driving around just our pasture, and there was five bulls standing out there. And they were five and six-pointers, and some had the real black horns at the bases and that, so they're your real herd bulls. Yeah. Uh, we, you can see that. We go for a ride any night. We can pretty
2: well go see elk most nights. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, see, people don't typically don't think of Manitoba as an elk destination. And it's because it's such a limited hunt. Yeah. I mean, like it's not people can't come here to hunt, so that's right. they, we just don't hear about it. That's right. But yeah, and then uh, you were now we've not seen a moose, but right, and and they're a, a kind of a sparsely yes. populated animal anyway. Yes, I mean they're a low density animal. Yeah. So, but randomly you'd have moose on this. Well, property. where James where James shot his deer,
0: that's where my son shot his elk and his buddy this year, and while they were gutting the elk. There's a bull moose that come out that I would say would be, by the, we've seen pictures of it, but I would say it's from 48 to, uh, it could have been to, you know, it could have been to 52 or 54 inch spread.
2: That's a good, that's yeah. a good moose. And then today, you and James saw timber wolf track. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. and the wolves just kind of range in and out. I mean, there's not always yes. wolves here, but they just right. kind of right. come in and out. Yep. Yeah. There's wolves,
0: then they have their territories unless they get kicked out of a pack, and then they just, you know, they're following the French fries around, and that's your deer. Something's got to feed everything, and it's the deer your French fries around here. And yeah. uh, so that's what they, you know, if they get kicked out of a pack, they're looking for the small calves and the deer, whatever it is, to survive.
2: Yeah, yeah. we saw a predator kill deer today, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. Right out here in your backyard? Yes. We don't know exactly what killed it. Probably coyotes. Probably coyote, I would say. We see coyotes not every hunt, but we see coyotes almost every day. You bet. Big old wolves. And they're big
0: coyotes here. They're very big coyotes compared to a lot of places, say. Oh, yeah, we have big coyotes. Yeah. It just, if you really think about it, uh, I don't know what it does. I guess it's the land or something, but our deer, you know, we have good deer here, big heads, we have big elk heads. I mean I've shot a fifty four inch moose but there's bigger moose than that here. But it just there's something in the land that produces good horn here. Our bears our super bears, like our biggest bear we got were six hundred pounds, you see. Yeah. And so uh now, that's
2: well I'll tell something. you what it is, it's the black dirt man could be being from Arkansas, I, I mean I'm I'm kinda of being funny there but because it's a much more technical answer than that, but man, this dirt is like black yeah there's some nutrient this... rich yeah i mean lots of minerals in this yeah. soil and that's why it's such good ag land yeah but hey that's... we hadn't even talked about bears yeah. we gave we gave all those uh animals that are here yeah. and i don't think you mentioned bear i did right did you no okay so the same place that i hunted this evening I saw a white-tailed deer there this evening. Last year, I killed a 152-inch buck out of that same spot. James, five days ago, saw a color-phase black bear from that stand. Yeah. And you guys killed an elk out of that stand yeah. in, uh, sometime in October. Yeah. I saw a coyote out of that. St- I mean, you got bears like crazy. And Old I can't dude. believe I hadn't even said it. We've been talking about white because that's what we're hunting this week. <laughs> yeah. But uh, – Hey, Tom is a long was a time Bear Hunting Magazine advertiser. You bet. And uh, he had a he had a, a how many tags did you have?
0: Well, we ran as high as thirty two tags altogether, eh? right? When we were at our peak, and at the end here, we were down to twenty five tags. We'd sell them out just every year. It, we'd sell a hundred percent, and we had like there's people that have come up here and. Uh, out of five bears they were all over pub being honest with Dyke with this one guy, especially they were over four hundred pounds. He ran from four to six hundred pounds. Yeah. He shot that many bears uh, you know, for weight.
2: But uh So you're I mean, to cut to the chase, what I was gonna say is you were a longtime bear boy, outfitter. Sure, we I just were. wanted to say that. Yeah, we were. I mean you you were you ran a bear outfit like a machine. Yeah. And you have some incredible bears up here,
0: yeah, we had lots of bears, lots of colored bears, high color phases yeah it was it was a very good business in here, and we we put we put a lot of money into our feed, feeding the bears. We thought that was the way we should go, and it worked for us very good, yeah because your success rate was very high, and uh i I figured most people, if you just watch what you're doing a little bit, you had the opportunity to shoot a three hundred pound bear plus. And yeah, that happened. Just you know, if there's five hunters in, sometimes four out of the five would shoot a bear over 300 pounds in the same week. Yeah, it was. They were real quality animals, you know. Yeah, and good skulls. We, we yeah.
2: Well, Bernie Baringer, one of our columnists, he's a yeah. good friend of yours, good yeah. friend of mine too. He came up here. And he's got a YouTube video of him seeing over twenty bears in one evening exactly. on a fall hunt, which is basically yeah. just right up, right yeah. up the way from your house.
0: Exactly. It's it's, yeah. It's on the same quarter I live on.
2: Yeah. And he shot bears.
0: There's been quite a few bears right here where I live. Over five hundred pounds taken out. Uh, we got second in the whole pro- province once for a bear here shot right behind my house here.
2: Yeah lots of bears incredible yeah and so to clarify as well so tom sold his bear business yeah. two years ago yes to a guy that's now a friend of mine a guy i know yes. an advertiser in our magazine yes. baldy mountain outfitters yes. tom, todd walgamuth yes and so todd has taken over yes. your area he's got yep. your tag so he's hunting all the same yes same baits got the yep. same and he bears. even
0: expanded a bit he bought a Another out, partially bought another outfitter out. Okay. And uh, I thought it was a good buy myself, and he incorporated all the lakes up here and that into his, and okay. uh, it was a real win situation for him by doing that. Uh, it was yeah. a good
2: business move. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's up here now. So Tom doesn't doesn't have bear hunts anymore, but you still got lots of bear on your place. That's oh, there's sure. lots of bear.
0: We have there's like at the site you're at tonight. Uh, we've seen 8 to 10 coming in there. Right. Right where you were. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, like the the Bear James seen, it was a brown bear. It's a black bear, yeah. but the brown face to it, eh? And uh, those bear in there right now are running 300, 350, I imagine, at least. Yeah. That's what they are, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're coats this time. I mean, it's November the 2nd we got trail camera pictures of You've, bears we got three trail cameras out right now yes. just kind of as we're hunting this week yep. and two of them last night had bears on them exactly. on november the 2nd in yep. manitoba but they're gonna den
0: right there they'll den within yeah. a couple of hundred yards of where we're seeing them i know the dens are in there yeah yeah the bear dens are there and they come in there every fall yeah
2: yeah yeah well, that's that, it's this is an incredible property and just an incredible place that we've just kind of really grown to love the last 2 years we really have yeah, yeah. and and i'm i'm still hunting i've got one day left i've kind of had a tough week yeah. here's the truth though tom is that if i'd been muzzleloader hunting i would have killed a deer on the on the first afternoon of the hunt that's right I really would have. I know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, because that, I believe that it was the first after. It was well. We got here a day, an afternoon early, and, and we hunted yeah, and one you afternoon. Hunted the night you came So in. the so the actual first day of the hunt that evening is when we. Yeah. No, it was the second evening. Second evening, Tuesday, okay. is when we went and put the stand. We yes. hung a new stand back in the bush. Right. Uh, where a bunch of a couple of trails yeah. converge the bedding area then in, in the bedding area with some feed around it Yep. Yeah. and we we went in there hung a stand and i no more than climbed in that stand in the rain on that tuesday and i saw a shooter buck at yeah. 60 75 yards he bedded down so so i i i say that to calibrate my statement saying that we i've kind of had a slow hunt
0: and he had seven points on one side eh?
2: he did he was a five (laughs) by seven he sure was yeah oh man i was carrying my bow that day (laughs) and and the other thing that's hard about a hunt like this is you you kind of calibrate you calibrate the hunt based upon what happens early and so that was the first just like right at the beginning of the hunt saw this deer knew where he was and so i was like we're sitting good you know it's just a matter of time i'll Sit here a couple more times, and I'll, I'll see him again, and uh, and the big buck sightings for me kind of dried up. Now yeah. it didn't for Steve and James; they killed within the yeah. first two days. And but right now, you know,
0: we've seen on four different places. If you think about it,
2: we've seen there's a big buck.
0: Yeah. Right now, but we just can't make it happen yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's
2: just hunting. That's right. It's just hunting. It's not killing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well. James, what else should I ask Tom? What's that? Uh, Steve, are you in here? Is Steve in there? Yeah. Anything else I should ask Tom? We talked about, I can cut all this out. Yeah, where to go hunt tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You better ask the wife. <laughs> yeah. Ask Deb where to go. I just work here. Yeah. Now we talked about we talked about white tails, We talked about bears. We talked about the land. We kind of talked about your history with the land. Uh, we talked about the diversity of wildlife. We talked about and see, I did a podcast a few days ago with right. Steve about his hunt. Yeah. I did a podcast with James about his hunt. Yep. Yeah. So we're we're covering all the bases. Yeah. But now, anything else? That you'd like to say, Tom, just in closing, just about what you, your, not, not even about your business, but right. just about you. I mean, I tell you what, we have, the fun part of coming to hunt with Tom and Deb Ainsworth is you guys. It really is. I mean, it's like, it's like coming to your friend's house yeah. and he's letting you hunt his yeah. huge well, property.
0: We've always, just like when we ran our bear business, you know, we're kind of the old mum and pop deal. Yeah. Where you come in and we treat you like friends and uh, you're not a number around here. Like if you're going to go and stay in a motel, eat out, this and this, you don't see your outfitter, you don't maybe, you know, see your guide, all this kind of stuff, uh, you're a number. And uh, to be in business, the business we're in, you have to become friends and family to stay in business and to operate. I, that's my opinion now. You know, you've got to be treated like you treat somebody. And if you can't get that when you're going hunting, I guess it's time to change places as far as I'm concerned. You've got to be treated, you know, just the same way you treat people at home. and So that's what we do, and its it worked for us. You know, I was in the bear business for years, and I never found a person in my life to come hunt with me. Everybody phoned me how they found my numbers and whatever. And your beer magazine, and I'm being real honest, it was great for me. It was my outlet to get in contact with more people and stuff like that. And it just works, you see. And uh, But that's, you know, we just treat people the way we want to be treated. And you've got to be family because if you're a number, uh, I don't think, there's no personal touch to it. Eh? It's just yeah. That simple. yeah. I can tell you lots of stories or real bad things that happen. You know what I mean? but Yeah. You know, going on a hunt. You've got to, I've gone myself, so I know you've got to put a lot of trust in people when you send them your money for a deposit or a hunt and you've never even seen them and you're talking to somebody, you know, and uh, you, it, it's yeah. kind of tough to do, you know. Yeah. I've done it myself and I know like <laughs> kind of wonder at times, what am I doing?
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 You've got to have well, and and to do what you've done for this period of time, and to have the success that you've had, I mean, you guys are you guys are are, are very hospitable. You're, you're people people you enjoy I, you've got to enjoy people, I think, oh, to do what do. you do. Yeah, I mean, you, we, you you Every time we get in the truck, every time driving down the road, Tom's telling us about. I wish I could have had a microphone on you when we're driving down the roads. What I wish we could, because yeah. you're like. Such-and-such such happened here, and this happened here, and there's this. And yeah. I do my fences this way because of this, and I do this and this. There's a system for everything. There's history behind everything. And he's always – he's like a tour guide. You'd, hey, you'd be a good tour guide on one of those boats. I know. You know? That but it's just like when we go up <laughs> in the mountain here. I feel it's my – it's my part
0: of my job. Like up here, like at Blue Lakes, it's 180 feet deep. It's a little lake that's about um, – it might be half a mile long, not very big. It's got the greatest trout in it you could ever think of, and you can pull master anglers out of there like nothing. A, eh? but it's 180 feet, and there's a, a they had a large trout they were catching in the bottom, and a, according to them, they weighed it. It was 63 pounds, and it was a you know 63, pound 63 trout? pounds, 63 pounds because they were bringing it up, milking eggs out of them, and stuff like that. You see? Oh wow! Yeah, Incredible. but it's your job to. If you're in business, you've got to know your area and you've got to explain it to everybody. I think that that's part of you. Just like you said, we're a tour guide and we're babysitting. You know, yeah. that's kind of about it. I mean, we've got to put out quality stuff too, but it's part of your job Yeah, to know that. And if you don't... It kind ofs pretty quiet driving around if nobody says anything. <laughs> right? <laughs> Tom, I'm the
2: same way, man. When I get somebody in my truck that I know doesn't know anything about yeah. Arkansas and where I'm from, sure. man, I'm talking to him about how these mountains got formed and yes. the trees and the wildlife yes. and the deer and the history. The like, history. Yeah. it's it, you got to interpret stuff for people because yeah. you can't assume that people – Yes. can come up here and appreciate this. Like That's someone right. could roll in here and just be like, yeah. well, wow, just, there's not much here, man. Well, it's just like
0: when we would go bear hunting up in the in the mountain here. We used to go up, not, I guess you call them hills, and uh, we'd go up there and I'd tell the guys, well, you know, in 62, there's a family over here, took some chainsaws, and they dropped for about 10 miles up here. They dropped all the trees down, and they put the highway in up north through the mountain here, right? Eh? And they did it for $2,000. That was way back, eh, in 62. And wow. that's some history. And there's old telephone lines in the bush where they ran the first lines through there. Mm-hmm. And there's these great big old insulators screwing trees and that. And, you know, if I'm on the trailer, I'll show the guy and say, hey, look at that, look at that. That I'll goes back darn. to, you know. I'll be darn.
2: But that's, it's, it's just good stuff. You were telling me, you were telling me the other day when we went and hunted the swamp over here. Yep. You said... The there's a spring over there Yes. that tell me about the
0: horses well there's a spring in the bush there that never freezes in the winter and always runs and it, it became like a small hill in there because of the water pressure underneath hmm. and my uncle and them way back I'm, I don't know when but probably in the 30s or 40s or something like that they had a team hooked together and they took them in there for a drink of water well one horse slipped and fell in and seeing it had a harness on, it pulled the other horse in. And they never seen nothing again. And uh, <laughs> they took a real long pole there, like, I mean, a rail. And they put it down in there and felt all around, couldn't find them. And I've put rails in there myself that are, say, 15 or 20 feet long. And you let go of them, and they just shoot right up in the air from the pressure. Hmm. And that just that's just the spring over here, right about where spring. we're hunting. Yep. And that's why we have that stand there because the animals come there to drink water. And uh, so it makes it a, you know, it's a pinch point where they're coming to. And
2: So so unfrozen water in the winter is a limiting factor here. Oh, it's great because, you
0: know, if you've got a meltdown, let's just say five gallons of snow through your body system and take all the heat units out of it. Is that tonight, how
2: animals get water in the winter up here?
0: They they just lick snow. Lick so they're, they're licking snow mm. and converting it to water. Okay. And so, you know. That takes a lot of energy to it takes keep a lot of energy up in their and own And if they bodies. can go and drink a cup of nice water, okay, it solves the problem, eh?
2: Yeah. And it's yeah. better
0: for them. Well, it's not better for them maybe than the snow, but it will be better for them, sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just so people can have an understanding of the, the temperature here. Because when we first started coming here, we didn't really know. How cold does it get and how much snow do you get up here? It depends on the years. But
0: we will go in our temperature 30 to 40 below, and sometimes we will sneak over the 40 below, and that makes our temperatures equal because they equal out at 40. Uh, Usually it's a short period of time. We'll get a cold snap in. It could be a week, could be two weeks, but it can be a month. And we've gone through you know, extreme. The weather nowadays is extreme all over the world. And so it's still a, it's extreme here when you get a cold spot in, it could be a, yeah. But, uh,
2: so when we got here on yeah. October 28th, I think it was 48 degrees. Okay. Our temperature Fahrenheit. Yeah. Okay. And then now the high temperature today was like 29 or something. Yeah. yeah. But I was looking at the 14 day forecast and you said it you said we're almost to the edge, and what you yep. meant was the edge yep. of just freeze over. Yep. So for after like the middle of next week, it's going to freeze up, and 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 it won't get above freezing until probably yep. April or May. Yep. So it and see for a southerner that's like bizarre. I, I mean, know. Like, you know, like yep. isn't it, James? I mean, like yep. we're we're you know for it to just drop below freezing, yep. and be below freezing. Steve grew up in New York, so it's a little different, but. Yeah. for for months we call, we
0: call that winter we call that
2: uh, canadians can they man that's it
0: but wow. we can have a decent winter too and like a decent winter for us is you know it's it's maybe you know it just don't get that cold or you know it's freezing all the
2: time but i'm just saying it then then dr- the bottom then just drop yeah, out it don't bother you and so snow like yep. a lot of like right now there's snow on the ground. When we got yes. here; there was not snow on the ground. Exactly, and probably this will, if we get another a couple other snows and if we
0: if it stays like it is, they're talking our temperature highs of minus six, minus seven, stuff like that. Um, it will stay, unless uh,
2: you uh, might have between two and three feet of snow. Yeah, on the ground, uh, you
0: could get it settles down, but if you get a foot of snow, it'll settle down a lot. But uh, our snow could vary from a foot or 16 inches, and it could go up to three feet, for example. It could go more
2: than that. And that's when you get winter kill on these deer.
0: Yep. Well, we've yeah. gone through the mountain here, or the hills up here, skidooing, and we've seen it where a deer would jump off a skidoo path where everybody's traveling, and it would be level with his back.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: And that's we've just hard seen for them to survive. And they survive. They go into spruce bluffs and that, because if you get into a spruce bluff, the canopy, you know, they eat the moss on the trees in there. They they survive somehow. It's hard to say, but,
2: you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. And your bigger animals, like, that's why I like elk herds around and moose and that, because if you got elk, they paw. So they open up all this ground, and then your small deer can come in. Oh, okay. And if they all walk in a path, you know, they're putting little highways all through the bush for the okay. deer to walk So the in. bigger animals are... sure.
2: Opening up snow, because we talked about it today, because I said, if we get a foot of snow, are these deer still going to be in this alfalfa? And you said, probably not. I mean, there's only so much they can scratch down. And that's why an animal, that's why
0: your deer here, instead of going from a grass system, like eating leaves and grass and stuff like that, it's going to be buried. So their stomachs change and they go to seeds. And the idea of that is instead of eating a whole bunch of grass or old grass or whatever it is, they go to seeds. Well, seeds are very high in protein, so it doesn't take too much seeds. But the stomach of an animal right now is changing. Yeah. And the seeds are always above the snow, right? Yeah. You know, we think of that. So it's just nature adapting. Yeah. But that's what happens. And that's how they survive. Yeah. And your moose and that, well, they're different. They can browse on willows and whatever. And if anybody knows it, you know that willows and all that have protein in it too, you see? Yeah. Your tree's do in that, eh?
2: Yeah. They can yeah. get stuff up high. Yeah.
0: And your elk, well, they're long-legged and quite tall. Well, they can paw. So that's how they survive, by pawing, you know. And. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so this winter, too, you'll start shooting coyotes. Oh, yes. And you don't like to shoot them now. I almost pulled the trigger on a couple of them today. <laughs> I, I felt you a could've. little bit. I know. I, I texted Tom. <laughs> and I said, "Do you mind if I shoot a cow? Because it's legal here if you have an yeah. unfilled tag." Yes. But as I just as I was squeezing the trigger, I was envisioning Steve saying, "Hey Clay, those those bullets cost two dollars and forty cents a piece." I envisioned that, <laughs> and then I envisioned Tom going, "Clay." There was probably a big buck back in the bush about to step out when you shot that coyote.
0: James and I were talking about
2: that when we were cutting <laughs> I that meat. It. I knew it. I knew And, and <laughs> we were Steve, saying, if Steve I had a microphone right now, he would admit that he was thinking about the $2. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I almost shot a coyote. But you you like to shoot them in the middle of the winter yeah. when they're well, really Well, we thick.
0: usually don't shoot them or that. We try to snare them if we can with these ram snares and that, which are illegal. And... Uh, a coyote, like last winter, we averaged about $135 on our coyotes, okay? And uh, if you shoot one now, it's worth from, you know, 50 bucks.
2: Okay, right, the the, the high quality yep. right it's now. It's just because you and put me, a bullet hole in it. And Let me, I want to talk about yeah. your trapping a little bit. Tom's a big trapper, and it has been over, you don't yeah. do it every year, but yeah. over the course of the last 40 years, yeah. I mean, you're a, you're a trapper. We've
0: did 50 coyotes and fox in one year. And yeah. usually not many foxes. Usually I'm a coyote guy, eh?
2: Yeah. But we. Do. I've got pictures of 50 in a year. So what are they worth now? So, like, if we kill one of those right now and you were trying to sell the hide on market, uh, it would be 50 bucks.
0: Like, if you put a hole in it with a gun, unless it was, you know, a solid shell that don't blow up, for example, uh, you might. But I'm just going to say if they're damaged by being shot, they could be $50. And uh, I probably had some last winter that went... Uh, Maybe possible up to the two hundred
2: dollar mark. Really? And Martin where are those hides going? Do you know? Pardon? Wh- who's where are those hides going?
0: We ship them to Ontario and that, and they go to uh, I'm not sure if it's Norway or uh, places like that.
2: And they're your fur bear buyers. You know what I mean? I mean, they're making clothing out of those. Oh, you bet!
0: They're going into your fur coats and the so premium that's stuff.
2: prime Canadian you coyote, coyote pelt. You bet. And so. So you you snare some coyotes? Oh yes. But you were telling me yesterday too. You how many pounds of beaver caster did you harvest uh, last yeah, year? Yeah,
0: we have a place. It's called Cedarwood or something in Ontario, and they ship all this over for perfumes and that the castors. That's where they right. go. And uh, we got eighty-four dollars a pound straight across with no expenses on that. And, eighty-four dollars
2: uh, a per pound of per pound. Of and for for if, if you don't know what a beaver caster is, it's the scent glands you bet. in the back of the beaver, and they're small. I mean, yes. like uh, one beaver might have a quarter pound of casters.
0: Uh yes, could be more. But the, I averaged eighteen dollars a beaver for casters alone. That's oh. how I averaged it, the okay. money out. But you can get a big beaver and uh, a, a large beaver. You know, he could have like fifty dollar casters on him. Is what really? I'm saying. Oh yeah. And so
2: you had how many pounds last year?
0: Uh, I think we only had fourteen, but the guy that helped me with my guide, I think he had twenty pounds. We so, so
2: I mean that's fifteen hundred dollars or something. Oh for, yeah, so that's pretty good. It's
0: something, yeah.
2: And then you got a bounty on the you got a bounty on the tail. Yeah,
0: twenty five dollars on the tail. But Gee. the
2: government quit doing that because it worked, right? Yes, <laughs> and they quit. That was our joke, because he said, "There's no more bounty," and Steve said, "Well, why is there no more bounty?" And what'd you say, Tom? It works (laughs) because it was working, so they quit it. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And then we had a big long discussion about government. Yeah, right. The efficiency of government. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Wow. So, so you have trapped martins and all kind of all these critters at different times. You've trapped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we trap them and skin them and. Yeah, and you, you've got pride when you're doing this. You, you know, you want to produce a. You know, the nicest fur pelt you can because fur sells on eye appeal. That's how fur sells by eye appeal. You It's got to be appealing to the eye. So you try your best and you do all your tricks you can to make something work, eh?
2: Yeah. It's It's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, anything I'm missing out here? Yeah, yeah. Well... Tom, any nuggets of wisdom you'd like to share with the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast lis- listeners about life in the far north? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not really, but I'm just saying the Bear Magazine has been very good to us. Uh, it's the best thing we've ever done, probably, was when we got a running ads in the Bear Magazine. I mean, it had worked for us. It sold us hunts all over. It gave us publicity, you know, that we needed up here. And... You're dealing with the right people. You're dealing with bear hunters, yeah. and primarily bear hunters, and they responded great to it. I mean, yeah. uh, they really were good to us. And I mean, yeah. uh, uh, anybody uh, that, I that isn't wi- anybody that isn't with them <laughs> should be. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that simple, you know. And it, bear hunters are bear hunters, and they're all connected. And you don't know it, but they, you know, the word gets out there, and that's what counts. And if you run a good business. And you're
2: successful and have quality,
0: uh, I think it'll work for you by just advertising with you guys. And I mean it. Yeah.
2: Uh, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Well, we've got one day left on my deer hunt here. And if you want to get a feel for what it's like to whitetail hunt up here with Tom, go to the Bear Hunting Magazine YouTube channel and scroll down until you see thumbnail image of a whitetail i can't remember what the name of that video is my mind's going blank but basically i filmed my hunt last year yes with you yeah and it was a really neat video and got it on got the buck on film It was a bow kill 150 inch just really pretty deer and uh so check out that video and you'll get to see tom and you'll get to kind of see the countryside and see some deer and um and we'll keep you informed too about what happens the rest of this hunt but Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to finish out strong. Yeah. I mean, that's why this is a six-day hunt, because sometimes it, it takes six days. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. We try to give everybody all the, you know, give you all the time we can. And if you come in in good time while you're hunting that night, it's just that yeah. simple. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. you've got to have the opportunity, eh?
2: Well, and that's what it takes up here. It's patience. I mean, it just, yeah. you know, it it's just, there. I'm fully confident. Every place we're sitting has the opportunity for a mature oh, yeah. Canadian whitetail buck to step yeah. out. Now, that just because he's a mature Canadian whitetail buck doesn't mean that he's going to have a 150-inch rack. That's right. I mean, I think that's a misconception sometimes that American hunters have is if you're in Canada, all the bucks are big. Well, it's just yeah. like at home. There's yeah. young bucks. There's small bucks. There's bucks that don't have the genetics, but then there's bucks that do. You know, and so yeah, and if
0: you're not going to a place where you have that opportunity well you're you're in the wrong place, yep, you've got to come to where there are you know good bucks and uh you've got to come to a place where the opportunity is. It's just that simple,
2: yeah, yeah, well, you provide the opportunity well, yeah. thanks so much, Tom It's been a pleasure to be here, and I kind of had to twist your arm to get that microphone on your neck. <laughs> But I knew if we could get you going, man. I knew if we could get you going. Now I, I needed to figure out a way to get this microphone on Tom when we're driving around the farm. Oh, we did. We did heard some westerns. I you learned mean, what, that phrase from you, Tom.
0: It's a good one.
2: Yep. Yeah, Yeah. Like telling westerns. Yep. That's Tom's description of guys exaggerating stories. No, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks so much, Tom. Thanks okay. for being on here. Thanks for having me. Okay.